So wasn't that great, the Christmas production so far? We've had uh, videos, we've had special music, we've had all the little ones up on the stage and in costume, and everyone had a role, right? Everyone who was up here had a part to play, and isn't that the way it should be? Every member of God's family just has a particular way that they can be used by him to give him glory. Of course, we want, we want to do that all year long. We always want our lives to be, to be telling the story of our Savior, but Every year, Christmas gives us just so many extra opportunities to do that, doesn't it? Whether it's some time-honored family traditions or uh, thoughtful new ways that we tell the story of Jesus' birth, or seeing children dress up like angels and shepherds and sheep and donkeys and wise men and Mary and Joseph, or singing along to your favorite Christmas carols. If a Christian is someone who all year long should be like a sign pointing to the glory of God and giving him thanks, then at Christmas, that's the time when that sign gets light bulbs strewn all around it, big flashing light bulbs and neon signs, and we hook it up to a generator with a speaker just blasting joy to the world for all the world to hear. But, but sometimes that's not how we feel. Sometimes we feel more like the burnt-out light bulb that just won't flicker and dance. Or sometimes we sing words to songs with our lips, but not with our hearts. Sometimes we realize it's December, December, and 2017 is almost over, and some of the things we thought we would do for God this year, we haven't got around to doing. Not even close. Sometimes Christmas comes when we feel the most beat up, and when we feel that our great and glorious job description, giving glory to our God and finding joy in Jesus, our Savior, sometimes that's been left sadly, woefully undone. Does Jesus' birth at Christmas bring hope to those who have dropped the ball this year? Does God have grace for the guilty heart at Christmas? You might recall that uh, last week we started a Christmas series entitled The Perfect Christmas Carols. And in it, we are going to be taking a, taking a look at four oldies. We could actually call them originals, because they're songs that are actually a part of the Bible's uh, Christmas story, all found in the Gospel of Luke. This morning, we come to words that were spoken through a priest named Zechariah. He's better known as John the Baptist's father. And this song has an answer to that question. Does God have grace for the guilty heart at Christmas? Uh, This song is found, if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn and have it open before you, I would encourage you to do that in Luke chapter 1. It's been read for us by Tricia already. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. This song doesn't have a catchy melody or a rhyme scheme that'll get stuck in your head like some of your other Christmas favorites. It doesn't have the catchy appeal that, uh, that my children's current Christmas favorite does. Please, Christmas, Don't Be Late, performed by Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> You're not going to find that kind of catchy uh, flash in this song, but this does have something in common with any great song, and that is once you start it, it would be disappointing to stop it partway through. For example, what if we did this? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, You would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. The end. 
right? It's not right to stop there, right? For one thing, the melody hasn't even resolved itself. And there's a reason for that. The story isn't resolved either. We're all just aching for something better to play out for poor Rudolph, right? So we need the second half. We need, then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? I can't sing in tune up in front of people, sorry. (laughs) But we'll finish it out. Then how the reindeer loved him, as they shouted out with glee, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in his story. Isn't it better to get the whole thing? You don't want just the first half of the song. And if you take a little peek with me at Zechariah's song, there's something similar going on here. The first part of Zechariah's song, the opening line in verse 68, Luke chapter 1, says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Two very important words that we're going to focus on with our time this morning. This song is good news because A, God has visited his people. God came. And God's visit has had a purpose. And this is the purpose. The B, God has redeemed his people. But the good news isn't finished until we look at something else. If you look down the page to verse 74, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. God came, God redeemed, and God also restored. The purpose of God's visit in the birth and life and death and resurrection of his son was to redeem his people But that purpose isn't over until he's also restored his people to the point where they can serve him without fear. This would have been important to someone like Zechariah. Uh, We we had read earlier for us some of Zechariah's backstory. He was a priest. That means it was his job to teach people about God. God's holiness, his mercy, the way he was to be worshipped, and in addition to that, to teach the people about God's promise to one day come and save his people from their sins. So as a priest, Zechariah's job to teach people about God was really not all that different from the job that every Christian has today, to tell about Jesus, our Savior, and to give glory to God. And what happened when God sent an angel to Zechariah to tell him he was about to fulfill his promises? And that Zechariah would have a son named John, and John was going to prepare the way for God's visit. Well, Zechariah doubted. And because he doubted, the angel told him he would be unable to speak until his child was born. So for nine months, the priest was silent. For nine months, Zechariah was not doing his job. You know how some of us feel like burnt-out light bulbs? Maybe like we aren't shining for God's glory? Maybe sometimes you feel like you belong on the island of misfit toys? Like you're broken, and you're not able to do what you were made to do? Well, that was Zechariah for nine months. A priest who doesn't talk. A person who doesn't do the thing they were made to do. Who doesn't glorify God. But when the time is up and John is born, Zechariah was able to speak. We read, and immediately his tongue was loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And some of what he said is recorded for us in the song that we're looking at today. The priest who was silent and unable to do his job because of doubt now lifts up his voice in praise of the God who visited and redeemed and restored his people. So let's just read through his song. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Three words that anchor the Christmas song for us. God came, God redeemed, and God restored. The first one, that at Christmas, in Jesus, the God and creator of the world actually came down and visited his people in a human body, that's already been covered for us this morning. Our children's program did a beautiful job of helping us sing praise and wonder about the fact that he really did come down. And if you're looking for one more angle to ponder what that really means for you this Christmas season, I would encourage you to spend some time just quietly reflecting on the very last words of Zechariah's song, verses 78 and 9. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He really did come down. His visit was made because of God's tender mercy, and like the arrival of the sunrise and darkness, it has made all the difference. As wonderful as it is that God came down at Christmas, it's incomplete until we know why he came. Jesus didn't just pop by to pay us a visit because he was in the neighborhood. When God visited his people, it was with a purpose behind it. There's a lady who had this wide circle of friends and she wanted to purchase just the right Christmas present for each one of them. But time slipped away, as it does. She was so busy at work, she just wasn't able to get out and find the right gifts for them. So right before Christmas, she decided to give up on the gifts and just send everyone a beautiful Christmas card. She went to Hallmark and frantically searched through all the by now picked over cards and finally found a box of 50. She noticed the beautiful cover and the gold trim and the frosted accents. They were so perfect she didn't even look at the message in the card. She bought it in a hurry, signed each one with all my love, got them addressed and got them in the mail. Mission accomplished. When New Year's came and life slowed down a little bit, she was thinking with satisfaction that the cards she had sent out would have arrived by now. She went to admire the two or three cards that were left unused in the box. For the first time, she paused to actually read the message printed on the inside of the card. In a neat little rhyme, it said, This Christmas card is just to say, A little gift is on the way. (laughs) Now, (laughs) that lady had thought that by sending the card, she had eliminated the need for the gifts. But all she'd really done was intensified it, right? There's something similar at work with God's visit at Christmas time. A visit from God is going to have one of two outcomes. God visits in salvation or God visits in judgment. If we receive a visit from God while we are lost in the darkness of our sins and failing to live a life that glorifies him, a visit from God doesn't sound like something we ought to sing about. It sounds more like something we ought to dread. And that's why the purpose of the visit at Christmas is so important. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. 
The word redeem means to pay off the debt that keeps someone in slavery. The idea of redemption in the Bible goes all the way back to when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. And the message here is that the purpose of God's visit in the incarnation of Jesus Christ was to redeem his people all over again. Only this time from spiritual slavery to sin. I'm going to quote uh, at length for us here from Alistair Begg. He helps us to grasp, first of all, the way sin is our deepest problem, and also the way it, it's our deepest problem at Christmas time as well. He writes, Sin is something we choose, and yet sin is also something that traps us. We can't stop, even if we want to. If anything else were the problem, we would wonder, why hasn't this been fixed by now? Why is it not all sorted out? Why are family gatherings at Christmas so often occasions of discord and conflict? Sin causes alienation from others, not only on a world stage, but closer to home. Conflict within our hearts, our houses, our marriages, the lies we tell, the envy we feel, the anger we show. Each time we miss the mark, we spoil our own lives and the lives of those around us. He goes on, but that's not even the worst of it. Because my sin has crippled my ability to know God and to live for God. I can't know God. I can't make my way back to God because I'm trapped in my sin, enslaved by it. Sin is our greatest problem because it separates us from the God whom we were made to know and designed to enjoy. Now the fact that Jesus came to redeem, to offer his perfect life as the price of redemption to free us from our sins is the only news that is good enough to lift us up when everything else has let us down. For some, when all the Christmas noise and festivities and celebrations are all concluded, they might still be left with this question, I didn't really get what I needed. There's a problem that no present I could receive or gift I could do or give or vacation I could take or song that I could sing will solve. And at that point, the good news is this. Before he visited in judgment, Jesus came first to save. And we can call on God to rescue us from our sins, to buy us out of a slavery we can't escape and a debt we cannot repay because Jesus has paid it all. Just take a look at the way Zechariah tells us these things. Verse 69, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. What's Zechariah doing here? He's reminding anyone who will listen that what God was doing through Jesus was the fulfillment of promises he made a long time ago. Zechariah, the priest who had been silent for nine months because of his doubt, Zechariah is now filled with the Holy Spirit and he's doing his priestly job. He's teaching people about God and what he's done. That makes Zechariah a living picture of the message that not only did God visit at Christmas, not only was the purpose of God's visit to redeem, but God has also come to restore his people Verse 74, that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah is singing this to the people of Israel, people who have been given the distinct job of being a light to the nations so that everyone would see and know the God of Israel. 
And for generation after generation, these people had found that their indwelling sin had gotten in the way. Time after time, they failed. And finally, here comes the message. God is coming. Zechariah's son is going to be called the prophet of the Most High. He'll go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins. And finally, his people will be able to serve him without fear. Silent priests get to sing again. Burnt-out lights will shine. Broken things will be repaired and restored. For those of us who struggle with the fear that we aren't able to serve God in our weakness, the message of Christmas is better than, oh, you're broke, but forgiven, and we love you anyway. The gospel does say that you're broken by sin. And the gospel does say that through faith in Jesus Christ, you can know that you are forgiven and have eternal life. But the gospel says even more than that. It also says that Jesus will restore you from the inside out so you can finally do what you were made to do all along. This is a better message than you're broken but still loved. And it's a very different message from one that says you need to turn things around and and fix your own failures because our sin problem runs deeper than we can fix on our own. The reason Jesus came like the sunrise to those who sit in the darkness, was to overcome a darkness that is too much for us to bear. He has brought redemption. He has purchased forgiveness for our sins. God has come. God has redeemed. And God has restored. God fixes what's broken and restores us to serve him without fear. There is grace for the worst of us at Christmas. There's grace for the humbugs at Christmas. Maybe you've been broken in a way that's held you back from serving God in the way you were designed to. Maybe you dropped the ball in 2017. Been a silent priest, or a broken toy, or a burnt-out light bulb. For that, Jesus came too. For that, Jesus died too. For that, Jesus rose. God fixes broken things. He unstops silent lips. For those in darkness, God gives light. To the guilty, God gives forgiveness of sins. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has visited and redeemed his people and restored them to serve him without fear. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, blessed indeed are you. We want to lift up our voices and pray and bless you with all that we are. You deserve every bit of praise we can muster up, every, everything that we can put on this stage today, and everything that we can adorn our lives with as we leave here and live over the next week and the Christmas season. We want to praise you with everything that we are because you came, because you sent your Son, because you have redeemed, and because you have restored. Lord, we pray for any who might be here today, any who might hear over the Christmas season, the message that Jesus forgives sins and restores broken sinners back into a relationship with you. If any hear that this year and have never trusted in you before, Lord, we pray that they will, that they will be saved from their sins and and trust you. And Lord, we thank you that because you sent Jesus, because he took on flesh and blood, because he came right down in the mess and the darkness where we are, Lord, we know what your, your, your response will be when someone calls on you to be saved. Father, we pray for those of us who are your people, but who need to be restored to a place where we can serve you without fear again. We pray that we will turn to you, that we will, 
We will see you with the eyes of faith, Jesus, and hear you say that we have been restored, that we can follow you, that we can serve you and shine for you this year. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.